Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones. Dick Johnson from DJR Team Penske, and you're on Inside Supercar. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Todd Hazwood joins us here on Inside Supercars as we congratulate you, first of all, for third place on the, well, not a step on the podium, but it was certainly a trophy in hand, which is a great way to leave the race circuit. Oh, thank you, Craig. Yeah, it was um, pretty cool to pick up a, uh, a snowboard, something new for supercars, but for me, yeah, first time on the podium, uh, yeah, very, very special moment for me, something I've dreamt of since I was a kid, and you now to relive it in real life is uh, very cool, and yeah, it's um, almost hard to believe that what's actually happened. Your journey has been a well-documented one, so I wasn't going to rehash how you got to where you are now, but I have noticed over the last few weeks that you've been upping your fan club and and upping your profile through your own personal network. What's the reason for a driver going through and taking those steps? Look, I think the world we live in today, we're all very socially connected in the way we interact particularly with our fans, our support, um, you know, through our social network these days. You know, it's very well documented what we do both at the track and behind the scenes. And, and the way people engage with, I suppose, sports stars of today is very different to how it used to be back in, you know, say, I compare how I used to follow my idols in, in, back in the day. used to be picking up an auto action on, during the week and trying to work out what the office is, whereas now you can literally just hit a like button and follow everything that goes on. So for me... Yeah, look, I, I try and do things a little bit differently to, to other drivers up and down pit lane. And there's a few things we actually, I think I'm one of the only drivers that runs a membership program um, where we put a platform in place to, I suppose, have incentives for our members and whether whether it be merchandise or whether it be benefits from our from my personal partners, um, to whether it's just you know trying to include different elements that you wouldn't normally get, um, you know, with with other teams as well. It's something that we do there, and then gen- generating a form of subscription as well so we can um, then show to our personal partners and sponsors within the team that you know we're trying to make a conscious effort to uh, I suppose have a, a database in place so you know when we uh, you know if, if there's a sponsor signing up they can see the benefits in place with you know the, the support network that we've got behind the scenes so it's it's a win-win you know obviously the, the more fans you can have on, on, on your side the better and um, yeah that's something that I'm always trying to work on and, and ensure that um, yeah trying to do the right thing by the sport and keep growing in, in any way possible. Are you managed by yourself or do you have a manager in place to, to work on these sorts of things? Oh, look, I've actually got a, a, a team of people working with, with me on site now. Um, over the last couple of years, I really tried to step up my professionalism, whether it be from a representation point of view, you know, how we manage the contracts, all those sorts of things that have been put in place over the last few years. Um, yeah, and, and and it's always hard because you've got to be in a position where you can, you know, take the reins and and know what you're doing, and at the same time you need to have the right people in your corner to be able to steer the ship as well. And that's something that I've always struggled to probably be in a position with, where I've been how to actually have people in my side that I can put full trust in, and and actually trying to manage my racing career. So I'm very fortunate now. I've got someone in my side. Um, up in Queensland, who's looking after, I suppose, the management and contract point of view. Um, and I've also got a, a, a partner of mine that um, you know, initially was just doing my website, 
um, and now they, they help me with, I suppose, trying to understand how we can maximise our reach, whether it be through the social channels and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a few people that are helping me along the way, but when it comes to creating the content um, and putting it out there online, that's still something that I'm doing, um, still putting all the videos together, all the other stuff. So it's something that keeps me busy in between race meetings and, um, yeah, it's something I enjoy as well. As I mentioned, it's something that I've noticed over the last few weeks. Uh, it seems that you've you've had a bit of a run on now that you're back racing again. But how long have you been doing something like this? I've been doing this for years now. Um, you know, ever since I was, uh, you know, really started to turn what was. It's always been a racing career for me, but since really, um, I suppose the social media has taken a world by storm. You know, I was I was still young in my. Uh, go-karting career at that at that point and, and straight away could see the value in, in what, what was being created at the time and, you know, that was something I, I continue to work on and, and the thing with social media today is that, you know, it's always evolving, it's always changing, so you're always going to ensure that you're up to date and that's something I've always tried to ensure that I'm, you know, looking at what other teams do, whether the other drivers are all around the world, you know, comparing to our industry or other sports um, and seeing how our way up and yeah, I always try to, you know, I suppose be engaging and, and ensure that, you know, whether it's a, a sponsor or a fan, that they feel connected and they feel like they're getting value out of what we're putting out in social media because it is a strong platform. You know, we're, we're reaching to hundreds of thousands of people a week. Um, so that in itself is very powerful. And you know, at the end of the day, obviously what we, you know, the promotion that we do at the racetrack and at the event um, in the, at the moment is it, particularly, diffi- particularly difficult, obviously, that, Activation for our sponsors and at events is, is a huge element of a Supercars Championship. So for us, now is even more important to be using the power of social media and, and trying to ensure that we can generate forms of return for our sponsors and partners and everyone else involved. Have you seen since the uh, COVID-19 break and the E-Series, did you see a big jump in the way that people responded and reacted with you online? Um, look, I think uh, overall, I think the best thing that come out of the E-Series, in particular supercars and how we present it as a sporting code in general, I think was really well perceived. Um, you know, obviously there was a fair bit of backlash you know, in the media, probably in particular to NRL. And I looked at the way that um, both supercars and, and, and the teams and drivers in particular as well, the way they handled the whole situation, it was you know, it was, it was, I felt like they were, were a step above the rest. You know, we had teams make, making or preparing medical equipment um, to, you know, obviously aspects that were in need. And we had we had a sport that was able to, you know, flip it on its head overnight. And within a week, every driver was sourcing simulators and getting everything sorted so we could go e-racing. And obviously, there was other forms of motorsport that tried to replicate it, but certainly couldn't. I, I don't think got even close to achieving what supercars did in, in that short space of time. And, you know, the reach that we got in that short period was amazing and, and a great way to, to fill a void that we hadn't during that time. So it was, yeah, it worked out really well. So did that mean what you were doing uh, automatically picked up a lot of momentum because you're one of the few people that are uh, are, are doing the, the partnership and the, the whole profile? Oh, look, I think, um, yeah, look, from my point of view, you're just, you're just trying to do everything that you can to, you know, try and stand out, whether you, whether it's, um, you know, trying to add value to your sponsors or if it's trying to, um, 
you know, engage with the fans that you currently got and obviously trying to build a new fan as well because it's uh, the snowball effect. The more people you've got on board, the more people that take interest in what you do, the more beneficial it is in, in all elements of how we go racing. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm pretty open in how I share my world both at the racetrack and, and outside of that and um, try to do it in the most professional manner possible, obviously. And, um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, you know, as I said, I, the only reason I really do it because I just know how powerful it is, and um, you know, to be honest, it amazes me that more drivers don't do more of it, um, considering you know how powerful this, you know, in particular, social media is. So yeah, to me, it's something that, yeah, as I said, I've always seen great value in it, and it, and it's uh, a world that's getting more and more powerful as days go on. You know, we're seeing more businesses invest time and money in social media more than anything else as you know, a form of advertising, or whether it be a way of trying to generate new sales or or whatever it may be. So it's, uh, it's the place to be in that sense. You having that sort of data matrix and and uh, reach, what does that mean to a team owner when they're choosing between Todd Hazelwood and Driver X? <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to ask Brad Jones that question. But uh, look, obviously, that, that's all part of it as well. You know, For me, that's something that I've always tried to compare myself with, you know, if you were to draw, I suppose, put a graph of all the things that, you know, makes a successful um, motorsport driver is that you've got to have a strong following, you've got to be able to sell merchandise, you've got to be able to have a strong presence in the media, you've got to be able to talk well behind a camera. It's all these, obviously, and obviously number one is you've got to be fast, you've got to qualify well, you've got to be able to set up the race car. But as we all know, in, in particularly professional motorsport, with so much money being involved, you need to tick all the other boxes to even have half a chance of surviving in this industry. And for me, I suppose I've learned a lot over the years of what it takes to obviously be in this industry that actually survive. And that's hence why I've, I've gone to the levels that I've gone now to ensure that, you know, if, if, if say, if that ever comes to that situation where push comes to shove and it's between driver A and driver B, I felt like I've maximised every aspect off track to ensure that uh, I can stand out amongst the rest of whoever it may be. It's a fascinating topic, what a driver brings to a team. And we've seen over the years uh, drivers and uh, their careers really hinge on a certain amount of support. And it also has seen drivers cop a backlash from those sorts of things. It, It must be a fine line that you walk between being a corporate person who brings a sponsor to a team or helps a sponsor come to a team as opposed to a driver who goes into a team that's already well-sponsored? Yeah, look, it, it, it's definitely a, a fine line to manage, you know, you, and you never want to, drivers, there's some drivers that get labelled as cash kings and there's others that can sometimes be just as powerful bringing money to the table but get labelled completely different. So, it's, yeah, it is it is fascinating. And I think, you know, we're all got all drivers are kidding themselves if they all thought they'd, they were gifted and got there on merit. There's always a sponsor or a backer or someone involved behind the scenes that help get get some of us drivers where we are today. Um, you, know, you know, obviously, we I'll probably get labelled as, a you know, the, the family that works hard and and there's lots that go on behind the scenes. But in the same time, I was very fortunate. I had huge support behind the scenes in particular with high with communications at the time and um, it's the individual Jason Donaldson who was, you know, the backbone of my career um, in, in, in particular with Super 2 Championship. You know, for people like that, you know, I simply 
you know, definitely wouldn't be where I am today. So, um, you know, everyone's everyone's got their own story, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's tough because obviously it's not like AFL where you, all you, the only uh, only item that you need to purchase is a set of football, football boots and maybe a bit of coaching and a football, and away you go. Whereas obviously motorsport, there's so many elements involved to even get started, let alone be um, in the game or be successful. And there is a number of those football players who forget to get the mouth guard and then pay for it later. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> all in all, you are one of the few drivers, and I think people would find this fascinating. You're one of probably three drivers I could think of at the most that has a published book about their career. <laughs> yes, that's probably true, actually. Um, yeah, it'll kind of come by chance with um, a photographer that was based in South Australia that was following my uh, two um, status with interest and started going to most events. And then in 2017, it was, um, yes, yeah, we essentially went to every event behind the scenes and then come to me with an idea at the end of, towards the end of 2017 saying, hey, if you stitch this championship together, why don't we put a book, a book about it? So went from just being a picture book to something quite, quite more significant than that. Um, but yeah, it's quite cool, something different. And um Hey, if I win another championship, who knows what, what what sort of book we'll put together one day, but hopefully I'm uh, in that sort of position to, to do something like that. <laughs> well, that's what uh, the power of positive thinking can do, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about your first podium. This weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park, what was different for the team who were at times right at the front of the field throughout the entire weekend? Oh, look, for me, you know, first podium, it was um, amazing. You know, it was, it was great to um, take something away from the weekend. You know, I think for us, in particular in the Car 14 side at the Round 3 of the Championship at Sydney, that we felt that we put ourselves in a beautiful position to, to claim that first podium, if not definitely racing for a win. Um, and then to have, we had a, a small failure on the car, the roll bar, um, Hurting us, and you know we that was we felt that was one that got away, and we had you know, two weeks to stew on that and thinking of the possibilities of what could have been and what sort of fairy tale that might have been. And we all know in this industry how hard it is to even get a taste of a podium, let alone actually having the thought of you know potentially being in a race winning position. It was it was almost too hard to believe um, at first. So you know to stew on that for two weeks, you know there's, a, there's definitely a lot of redemption. I felt like on our side of the garage, you know, obviously Nick had had the win only a couple of weeks back, and he uh, and and we had a strong car. We, we, we were strong all weekend. We sacrificed um, our soft tire running on Saturday, even though we qualified extremely well on a hard tire. So we felt like we put ourselves all all going well and, and heading in the right direction. And unfortunately, yeah, we just had a bit of a I had a bit of a doozy in qualifying, and I had had the slightest vibration with. Um, with just a, a warp set of rotors, which threw me out, and um, yeah, we didn't qualify well as well as we as well as we should because we had two green stocks available to our use, and yeah, certainly didn't execute it well enough, and we should have been comfortably up with the likes of Andre Heimgartner up up the front there because they were the sort of lap times we've been producing comfortably all week and and the round before as well. So then it was a, a case of. Man, we put our eggs in the one basket. We had a fast race car, and then it almost felt like we weren't going to achieve even a podium. So it kind of felt like we're back to square one. I was, you know, going into, <laughs> I suppose, into the race on uh, Sunday quite not frustrated, but certainly determined, and was a man on a mission and 
certainly from a car 14 point of view, we're pushing each other pretty hard. And fortunately enough, we, uh, we, we had a wicked race card. My engineer, Tony, made some changes for the race and it was a, it was an absolute rocket ship and it was a joy to drive and to be able to drive the wheels off the thing for almost the whole stint and get rewarded with a podium in the last lap. It was, uh, yeah, we earned it and, and it's a great feeling when you can do it like that. Now, Brad Jones Racing in Albury, and as we speak on a Monday evening, there is some questions about uh, what might happen to New South Wales with COVID-19. How do you guys work through now whether the team can stay at Albury and go to Darwin or whether they'll have to make a jump? Oh, look, that's probably more of a question for Brad at this stage. You know, for me, Obviously, being in Victoria, the, the biggest thing was just making sure I'm out of there. And obviously, that it's, a, it's a moving target. It always has been. So I'm just more so following the guidance of what Brad wants to do and, and what's best for the team. So, yeah, for me now, I, I am currently back at Albury. But, yeah, who, who knows what, what may happen in the next day or two or the next week. It's, it's um, a pretty crazy time that we live in. And obviously... <laughs> You know, after Sydney last round, we're getting we're putting setups together and getting prepared for Winton before. You know, obviously that all got flipped on its head as well. So we're just, I'm just taking it day by day at the moment. My bags are packed, um, so whenever I have to go, I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> and are you part of the craziest share house in history with uh, Macca and Nick Perkett? Uh, no, I've I've left um, Macca and Nick have their own space. I'm actually hanging out with my engineer Tony, so. We uh, we just talk race cars all, all night, so that's good. So um, hopefully um, Tony doesn't get um, too frustrated for me staying at his place for too long because I think I might be here for a while. So um, no, it's been good, and I'm looking forward to actually spending a bit more time here up in Albury. And um, you know, ultimately, if we stay here long enough, then I can get to know the boys and girls at the workshop a lot better, and yeah, start to feel like home. What does this sort of time getting to know someone, your engineer particularly, so closely, what does that mean when you get to the racetrack and those intricacies that a driver and engineer need to share? Oh, I think it's everything. You know, you, you need to have good working relationships um, and, and, and you need to be able to understand one another and you need to be able to understand the language and lingo and everything that's put in place because it's so intense on race day and when you're not in a position where you don't quite know each other or you start second-guessing each other, and you, that's when, obviously, you start to see cracks and inconsistency of the, the car setup and things like that. So that's something both Tony and I have been working on tremendously hard ever since day one that this whole deal big after this year was announced. And fortunately for me, I've already got to know Tony quite well back when I raced here as a co-driver in 2017. So we already had a bit of a head start as far as forming a relationship was concerned. Um but yeah, understanding the car this year for me, completely different mentality and mindset compared to the, the MSR Triple Eight base car that I was previously used to. So for me, it's um, been a lot to take in, but also refreshing and a new challenge. And yeah, I'm just relishing my time at the moment. It's been amazing. Well, Todd, it's off to Darwin next. How do you like the Darwin circuit and what do you think you can do building this momentum? Look, for me, I, I really enjoy the, the events at Darwin. It's always, you know, one of those sort of atmospheres that you really feel it's kind of got that relaxed vibe and everyone gets behind it and makes it really enjoyable. So how that feels this year, who knows? Um, I, I love the track. I love the style of this, how it's quite attacking but also quite flowing and it's in particular for qualifying, it's 
um, make or break because the time's always separated by um, hundreds of seconds. So for us, we're hoping that we can keep you know using this momentum that we've got on our side at Brad Jones Racing. I think as a team, we per- we had our today our best race weekend um, as a group. You know, with all four cars achieving top ten results, obviously two podiums and and include which included a win. So. We'd love to try and see this and move along and be consistently achieving the same form of results. And that's what we're you know, looking forward to seeing, what, how that rolls out and we're working hard behind the scenes to ensure yeah, that we can do exactly that. So bring it on. Well, Todd, it's a pleasure to catch up with you here on Inside Supercars and look forward to seeing how the team progresses up there in Darwin for back-to-back races. Thank you very much. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me on the show. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.